We began this year with a call to build the kingdom and battle against the enemy. And that, that mission is still the same. Today we're going to kind of beat the same drum. Last time we looked at Nehemiah chapter 4 and we were reminded that when God's people get serious about God's agenda, the enemy gets serious about his attack. We saw in Nehemiah 4 that uh, Nehemiah led the charge to rebuild the walls in the city of Jerusalem and immediately the enemy got on board against that mission. Nehemiah rallied the people and the attacks got so fierce that the people retreated Uh, For fear of their lives. Well, he rallied them together with these words. And we spent some time in Nehemiah 414 last week. These were his words. He said, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. We took away four four main truths from that text. Number one, there's a battle raging. There is a battle raging. Uh, It's a spiritual battle with a real and and spiritual enemy. Two, we said, do not fear. Like we have nothing to fear. I love the song we just sang. I'm I'm no longer a slave to fear. Fear is not from the Lord. We have confidence in our God. Number three, we remember the Lord. We talked last week and just hashed out and thought back through how God has been so faithful. And we look back with gratitude so that we can look forward with faith. And lastly, we said it is our mission to fight. Just as Nehemiah rallied the people together and said, fight, that's, that's our call for this year as well. It's not that we're called to a physical battle with uh, fleshly weapons. You know, Jesus told Peter, those who live by the sword die by the sword. That's not our fight. But our fight is in the spiritual world. It's a very real battle, but it's a spiritual battle. So for the next three weeks, I want to dig into what that's all about. And Ephesians chapter 6 is one of the best passages in all the Bible to dig into spiritual warfare. So we're going to spend some time there over these 21 days. Today starts a 21-day fast. And maybe you're saying, well, where'd you get 21 days? Why the three weeks? Why that? And we'll get to that in a minute. But I want to encourage you, some of you have already joined in on um, the, the daily devotion. We start this morning with a devotion through the Bible app, and that's just a way for us to stay connected and accountable. Um, it's, there's a format there for you to communicate what God's teaching you. Maybe you post a prayer or whatever it may be, but it's a, it's a way we can manage community all while being um, serious about our devotion to the Lord as we begin this year. You've heard it said already a couple of times, but a fast, the reason we do that is to tell ourselves this is serious. It's worth sacrificing for. If you remember in Nehemiah 4, the um, Sanballat and Tobiah, they, they, uh, when they saw the wall being rebuilt, one of the first things they did was they mocked and they said, Sanballat said, are, are, are these people really serious? Are they going to sacrifice? Are they going to do what it takes to actually accomplish this task? That question comes before us today as well. Are we going to sacrifice and do what it takes to join the battle with our Lord? So a fast tells us it's serious. It, it puts ourselves in a place of need. You know, your body, when you're fasting, your body says, hey, I need something. And when that alarm goes off, you get to rally to that alarm and say, I know you need something. Here's what you need. God. And we meet ourselves in our place of need with our deepest need which is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So I want to encourage you, pray, read, meditate in the scriptures and don't rush your way through. We're not just trying to check boxes every day. We're genuinely wanting to meet with our Savior to see what He says to us and be strengthened through that. So let's begin 2021 as our most focused year ever. Focused. Let this be the year that we suit up for battle. So with that in mind, we're going to spend these next few messages digging into Ephesians 6. So if you will, take your Bibles. And if you're our guest today, when we read God's word like this, we stand together in honor of his word. And what we like to say is what we read from this book is the most important thing that will be said today. These are the infallible words of God Almighty. So would you stand with me as we read from Ephesians chapter 6. We're finishing out a letter that Paul has written to one of his beloved churches in Ephesus. And he finishes a letter with these words from Ephesians 6 verse 10 and following. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also pray for me. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Church, this is a call to ready ourselves for battle. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge today that there's a, a spiritual battle raging all around us. And many times... We are naive and blind to it. And we live so often in just the everyday mundane life as human beings that we forget uh, that there's an eternal spiritual war raging and you are welcoming us into it. So today, God, I pray that you raise up an army who are suiting up for spiritual battle, who have our minds on greater things. We ask for this now in Jesus' name. Amen.
My goal for today is to call you to pray. To call you to pray. To get serious about prayer. That's our goal for today. If we, over the next three weeks, if you spend ten more minutes a day in prayer for the next three weeks, as a result of what we look at and study today, I would count it a great success. I want us to dig out four pretty simple truths. It's a very simple message today. Um, it's kind of like climbing Mount Everest. The uh, um, instructions are simple. It's the follow through that's hard, right? You know, climb that mountain, we'll just go up. That's a simple, simple plan. It's the execution that's difficult. So four quick things. Number one, know that we are at war. This is a reiteration of uh, a theme from last week's message, but um, the call to put on armor, the call to suit up for battle only makes sense if there's a war, right? Paul wouldn't say put on the armor if we weren't going to battle. You don't suit up for battle just to go play on the merry-go-round. No, it's never been clear, at least in my lifetime, that this life is not a playground, it's a battleground. And I'm not talking about a political war or even conflicts with other nations or all the things that uh, are on the headline news today. Those are distractions. And they are the, the evidence of, the physical evidence of a spiritual war. I'm not talking about those things. What I'm saying is there's a spiritual battle raging. We need to be equipped for it. But we won't even care to be equipped if we're not aware that it exists. So I want us to begin... With a heightened awareness of spiritual warfare. Paul says that we are coming into battle, wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly place. This is overwhelming to say the least, right? You're, you're being welcomed into a battle that is cosmic. Where do you even begin, right? Well, last time I referenced the story from 2 Kings chapter 6 of Elisha. And I don't know, some of you followed up with reading that text because I've got messages this week and I'm glad you did some homework there. But if you didn't, just to rehash it for a moment, Elisha's servant was very scared because the enemy had surrounded them. And he was looking up at all of this uh, this army that had come against them. And he was very afraid. He went and woke Elisha and, and said, There's, we're in trouble, man. There's a lot of people here. They're here to get us. And Elisha simply calmed him and said, uh, don't be afraid. There's more with us than are with them. And I'm sure Elisha's servant was like, wow, um, this old guy's a great prophet, but he's terrible at math. Like, There's two of us and lots of them. And so Elisha prays and said, God, open his eyes that he can see the spiritual world. And the Lord opened his eyes and immediately he saw these chariots of fire and horses, all of this spiritual army. And that's what I'm hoping will happen with us today is an, is an eye opening experience that we know we're in a spiritual fight. 
It's much deeper and bigger and stronger than just what we see. All the evil that you see and experience in this physical world is just the evidence of the evil in the spiritual world. It's the working of the spiritual that manifests itself in the physical. Now, do I understand all of that? No, I don't. I'm speaking about mysterious things that I, I really don't understand. Let me take you to another passage. We won't go there, but you, this is homework for this week. I want you to read Daniel chapter 10. In Daniel chapter 10, this is where the idea of a 21-day fast originates. Daniel fasts for three weeks, for 21 days. He he chooses to fast from sweets, from meats, and from wine. It's called the Daniel fast, right? He chooses to, to uh, not eat those things, and I guess he just eats vegetables and fruit and nuts. I don't know. But he fasts from all of those things, and toward the end of his three-week fast, God gives him a vision. In fact, an angel visits him. And as you read the text in Daniel 10, you see that Daniel is seeing the spiritual forces that are out there. He's seeing them. He's actually talking with an angel, a messenger from God. And that angel says, I've been fighting for 21 days against the evil forces in Persia. I've been fighting as you've been praying. And I've come here to tell you that God's hearing your prayer. Now, I don't know if you get that. But here's what's happening in Daniel 10 is there's a crossover thing happening right here between what's happening in the spiritual world and what Daniel is doing physically. When he fasts and prays, he's entered into a spiritual battle and we get this really strange glimpse into the spiritual forces and how they're at war, evil and good at war and how we enter into that battle through fasting and prayer, through prayer in particular. It's a really strange chapter. It's mysterious, but it's glorious that you are welcomed into spiritual warfare through prayer. But do you even know there's a battle raging? I want to call your attention to one more passage, and I actually want you to turn to this one. So if you have your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he makes them aware of the spiritual Warfare that's going on. He's referencing and talking about salvation. He's talking about the, the impact of the God of this world. Okay, evil, spiritual evil. And then the God of creation and what he's doing in salvation. I want us to see in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Look at the text. It says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, verse 6, capital G God. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but just quickly, 
Verse 4, you have the lowercase g, the God of this world. And it's talking about what Satan is trying to do. He's trying to maintain this blindness of the unbeliever. He wants to keep him in darkness so he cannot see Jesus Christ and come to faith in Christ. The God of this world is working to keep lost people lost. Verse 6 is about the one true God. Just to make it clear who he is, it's the one who spoke light into darkness. He said in the beginning, let there be light. That's the capital G God, the God of creation, the one true God. And what is he working to do? Well, he's working to give the light of the knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. That's verses four and verses six. Sandwiched between them is the role we play in spiritual warfare. We have cosmic forces, the God of this world as opposed to the God of creation. The God of darkness as opposed to the God of light. Evil versus good. Satan versus the one true God. But notice verse 5, right in the middle of this conflict, is our mission to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. We play a part in the battle through our proclamation of Jesus Christ as Lord. I love the song we sang. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battle. I proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. That's how our war is waged. That's our part in the battle. We don't do this to serve ourselves or for our own sake. No, but for Christ's sake, we enter right into the middle of spiritual conflict. So today, church, this is a call for us and for all Christians listening. Anyone under the sound of my voice who claims Jesus Christ as your Lord, suit up for battle. There is a battle raging. And we are welcomed into it. So stop casually cruising through life, working your way to retirement and shuffleboard at the beach. Give your life to the eternal causes of the kingdom. May God open our eyes. May we know that there is a battle raging and we have a part to play. Now back to Ephesians 6. In this fight... Paul is calling us to stand and he says we can only stand firm if we suit up for battle. He says to stand. Um, This idea of standing, uh, the imagery that comes to my mind is just a boxing ring. You know, the guy who's still standing at the end. That's that's the, the one who wins. Right. So Paul is saying, here's how we fight. Here's how we stand. We withstand. And I want to give you three quick things. One. Next, know the enemy. So the first thing was to know we're at war. Secondly, we know the enemy. In verse 12 um, of Ephesians 6, Paul says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over darkness, spiritual forces. We must know our enemy. Now get the context for a minute. Paul is writing this from prison. He's writing this letter from prison. He knows that proclaiming Jesus Christ will save people from the clutches of the devil. He knows to expect trouble. When you go on that mission, you can expect problems. Paul has been beaten. 
He's been whipped. He's been stoned and left for dead. He's been now thrown into prison multiple times. And what he wants to do for us is to clarify who the enemy is. He knows to expect hardship, but he doesn't want us to be confused as to who is the real enemy. Don't be fooled, Paul is saying. These people beating you, they're not your enemy. The people whipping you, they're not the enemy. Those stoning you and throwing you into prison, they are not the enemy. And Paul writes to say, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's greater than that. It's harder than that. It's against spiritual forces. We aren't in a fight against people. This battle is spiritual. I'm I'm reminded of the way Jesus hung on the cross and from the cross, right? The ultimate of suffering at the hands of men. From the cross, he looked down on those mocking and spitting and those driving the nails into his hands and feet. And he looked at them with mercy and compassion, not vengeance. He looked at them and he said, Father, he prayed, forgive them. Do you know the rest of it? For they what? They don't know what they're doing. Here's the thing. The people nailing Jesus to the cross were working out the plan of the enemy. Little did he know he was working out the plan of a sovereign God. I want to tell you, don't lose sight of our real enemy. Keep him in the crosshairs. Don't get sidetracked by all the decoys that he throws at you. It's one of the best tactics. If you're a hunter, you put out decoys, you set traps, right? This is this is what this is the game of our enemies throwing out decoys. He'd be perfectly happy for you to pick a fight with that guy who's mistreating you or this person who's doing this to you, because that's that's a perfectly good battle for our enemy to watch you destroy yourself. What Paul is telling us is don't get distracted. Don't be sidetracked with earthly battles. You have a spiritual war to wage. So we should know the enemy. Who is our enemy? He's a liar. Jesus said in John 8, 44, you're of your father, the devil. And when he speaks, he speaks lies. He speaks his native tongue. That's the only language he knows is lies. He's a murderer. John 10, 10, Jesus said that the thief has come to steal, kill and destroy. That's his mission. He, he's come to destroy you. He's a liar and a murderer. He is a lion. Peter writes, he writes to a church that's suffering great persecution. And in 1 Peter 5, he says, be vigilant for the devil roams around like a lion. Be sober minded, be watchful for he is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Many of us, we think about evil and sin and we play with it like a little kitten we you know we we make a litter box in our house and a little comfortable cushion for our sin to just hang out over there we pet it we love on it no he's not a kitten peter says he's a lion and he is trying to kill you stop petting him jesus reminds us that our enemy is a loser he's a loser From the very beginning, we see Satan in Genesis 3 when he tempts Adam and Eve. When God comes 
back into the garden and curses uh, all of everything. His curse to the serpent. In Genesis 3.15, we see the first glimmer of the hope of a great redeemer. God says, this serpent, he's in trouble. Because woman, one of your offspring, this serpent will bruise his heel, but he will crush his head. Genesis 3.15 is the first promise of a great redeemer, Jesus, who was bruised by the enemy at the cross. But through the cross and empty grave, he crushed the head of our enemy. He's a loser. He's a defeated foe. But that does not mean just because his ultimate end is defeat that we should take him lightly. So we know the enemy. We know there's a war. We know the enemy. Thirdly, we know we need to know the enemy's schemes. I want you to really zero in with me here because this is super important. The word schemes is the word methodia in Greek. And it's where we get our word methods, right? It's just tactics. It's, uh, he has many different tactics. It's also, this word means cunning or crafty or trickery. He's crafty. He's deceitful. Here's the thing. This enemy knows how to get to you. Do you know that? And it's different for you than it is for me. He's not going to come at us the same way. He's not going to come after you the same way he comes after me. He's also not going to come at you in red tights, a little pointy tail, some horns and a pitchfork. That's just not how he rolls. He doesn't come like that. He comes after us under the cover of good. He sneaks in. Think about when, when Jesus was tempted, Satan used a variety of tactics to try to get him to falter. He tried to hit Jesus in the ways that he knew all of mankind is weakest. Uh, when I was in high school, I was a high school wrestler. I was an athlete in high school and um, just prided myself on being good at, at that skill. You know, I wanted to work hard to be a, a great athlete. One of the ways that you do that as an athlete is you study your opponent. You get to know how uh, he's weakest. You know, football players watch film. Uh, all athletes at some point or another are studying their opponent and looking for weaknesses. I can remember watching uh, the guy I knew I was going to be facing. And I was watching for his missteps, his tendencies, his moments of vulnerability. And I knew, okay, now I have my battle plan. I would set my battle plan based on his vulnerabilities. Make no mistake, that's the way our enemy schemes. That's the game he plays with you as well. And the minute you get serious about building the kingdom, Satan starts watching film on you. He's studying you because he wants to trip you up. He wants to distract you. He wants to keep you unengaged with eternal things. Whatever it takes to keep you from the business of God's kingdom. And for some of us, not, it's not hard for him. He, he can get us wrapped up in, in little bitty things so easily. For some of us, the enemy has you wrapped up in earthly success. He's content to give you whatever you want. Whatever you want to keep your pockets full and your hands busy. So long as it keeps you from the work of the kingdom. 
That's his game. If prosperity will keep you from pressing in, so be it. For others of us, discontent is his game. No matter what God has blessed you with, you find yourself saying, well, life would really be fulfilling if only blank. If only this or if only that. If only I had a husband or if only I had a wife or if only we had a kid or if only we had another kid or if only we had more money or if only we had a bigger house or if only, if only, if only. And discontentment is the carrot that the enemy just dangles in front of your face because he knows you'll keep chasing it and stop chasing Jesus. He, he knows your weakness. And that's where he targets you. For some of us, we're so easily caught up in fighting civilian battles that there's no energy left to fight for the kingdom of God. And there are so many civilian battles to fight right now. I've never before experienced this whole cancel culture idea. But if you align yourself with this group or that group or what, if you draw the, the lines and you begin, you, you say, I'm with this one, then all these people cut you off. And if you align yourself, these civilian battles, Paul warned against this when he wrote to Timothy, he says, don't get, don't get entangled in civilian affairs. And the call there is you've been enlisted by a great commander to do to fight a bigger, greater war. Don't get tied up in all these civilian battles. Thou, that is a distraction. It's a distraction. For most of us today, the enemy has a grip on you every time you grip your phone. He can capture your mind through endless scrolling. And before you know it, there's no longer enough time to do that thing you really wanted to do for Jesus. Because you've gotten lost in all the the scrolling. You've, You've given your life to reading the highlight reels of what other people are doing with theirs. Did you know the average American picks up their phone over a hundred times a day? That's once every 10 minutes, more than that. For many in America, it's the first thing we pick up in the morning and the last thing we touch at night. We need to beware the idols we carry in our pockets. Maybe you're in this room or you're watching online and you are caught. It's like seriously caught in sin. And the enemy has sunk his claws deep into you. And you know there's nothing you can do to get out of his grip. You feel trapped and there's no way out. It has a hold on you. I have good news for you. And it's good news for all of us. Whether we feel trapped or are trapped and don't know it, the good news is this. Jesus came to set you free. I think this is great news, church. Jesus came to set us free. He's the great liberator of every slave to sin. Paul wrote in Romans and he said, you you may not know it, but you are slave to that which you obey. We are slaves to sin. 
But just as we sang a moment ago, I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child of God. We're set free through Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can set you free. So let me give you the last thing. The last truth I want us to pull from today. We know that there's a battle. We know we have an enemy. We know his schemes. And lastly, I want us to know the battle plan. Paul lays it out in three, three main uh, imperative commands. We're going to spend time with two of them today. He says, be strong. That's the first one. The second one he says is put on the armor. That's the second imperative. And then the third one he says, pray. These are three imperatives from this text on how we go to war against the enemy. Here's the battle plan. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Listen, this is so important. Just like Elisha said to his servant that day, um, those that are with us are greater than those who are with them. The scripture affirms to us as believers, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. First John 4, 4. The scripture affirms to you when you come into this battle that you, you're not coming from the point of weakness because it's not your strength, it's his strength. The apostle writes, he says, be strong in the Lord. He's not calling us to fight from our strength. Our fight is not about our strength. It's a declaration of his strength. You guys are not listening today. Listen to what I'm telling you. Our fight is not a fight of our strength. It's a declaration of his. We do not war against this enemy in our own might, but in the strength of Jesus's might. I told you the story before, but it's worth repeating. My daughter, we were out. And my daughter was being chased by a fierce dog, barking, gnashing its teeth, and it's chasing my little girl. And uh, she's just running, screaming her head off. She's so afraid. And she runs and jumps into her daddy's arms. And I scoop her up, and the dog comes running, gets to my feet. She looks at me, she looks at the dog, she looks at me, she looks at the dog. And where there was fear, her countenance shifted to a, a unique kind of confidence. And she turned to that vicious dog that now from her new perspective looked like a little chihuahua, I guess. And she just looked at it and said, scram! And I, I laugh as I tell that story because I think the strength that she had was not her own. She found a strength in her father's arms. And it's much the same as when we go to fight a battle that we have no strength to fight. We must find our strength in the Lord. He is our strength. We do not fight. Listen, we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. We don't fight for victory. We are fighting from victory. Our strength is not our own. It is his. We're not called to exert our own strength, but to rest in is. In James chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Christian, don't get that out of order. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
You only have power over the enemy in submission to the all-powerful one. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So church, let's suit up for battle. We're going to spend the next two weeks looking at the different pieces of the armor. Paul says, put on the armor. Suit up for battle. We're going to spend two weeks on that. So I want to skip to the third imperative. First imperative was to be strong in the Lord. The second is to put on the armor. And the third is pray. The third imperative is pray. I want to finish our time together today with this emphasis. The call to the front line is a call to prayer. One of the reasons we love as a church working with and serving alongside Gary Hippolyte in, with his ministry in, in Haiti and now in the Dominican and, and other places is because he's a man of prayer. And he's raising up a people who pray. And this is the role of a warrior for Jesus is to be a, be a prayer warrior. You've heard that term, right? I've heard that term, but I'm reluctant to call myself one. How did Daniel participate in spiritual battle in Daniel 10? Was it in his own strength? No, he was weakened from 21 days of fasting. But in that weakened state, he cried out to a strong God and he was welcomed into the battle through prayer. In the same way, prayer is, as John Piper says, it's our wartime walkie talkie. We've been called into battle and we use prayer to communicate with our commander. What do you want me to do next? Okay, Lord, I'm at your disposal. I'll do whatever you say. Oh, God, would you please open the eyes of my friend? He needs to know you. He's struggling, Lord. Father, we've been trying to get into JSU. We've been trying to get over there and connect with students in the international house. We want to make disciples at the international house so that we can see your glory spread to the nations. Lord, would you open a door for us there? This is how we enter into the battle with God. Through prayer. Over these next three weeks, will you commit yourself to be a prayer warrior? To put away your phone and all the devices that might distract you, to turn off the television, to find a quiet place. Jesus would say to enter your closet, right? And, and, and pray. Spend time with Him. This is where we fight. Church, I want to remind you of this beautiful truth this morning. We do not fight for victory, but from victory. You know, we're in a battle, but Jesus has already won the war. He's already won the war. I want to put on the screen as I read it, Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. You know, we first saw the enemy... In Genesis 3, and the promise of God was that he would, the serpent would bruise Jesus' heel, but Jesus would crush his head. And in Revelation 12, we have the fulfillment of that unfolding. And I want you to see that we don't fight for victory. Jesus has already done it. We fight from victory. Here's what the Word of God says. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. 
John says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Now listen. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. We have a defeated foe. He's been defeated by the lamb who was slain. The lion of Judah. So church. Let's pray. Let's join the battle in prayer. As our worship team comes, I want to do something different with the way we finish worship. As they sing and lead us in worship uh, through song, I, I want to encourage you where you're seated or you can come down to this prayer station or right here, this altar, if you want. I just want you to go ahead and begin now. Now. We don't stand in the kingdom any other way than kneeling on our knees. To stand in the kingdom is to drop to your knees. Church, let's pray today. I want to call you to pray for our country. There's a lot of brokenness out there. But make no mistake, it's not mainly political or philosophical. It's the working of evil. And we need to pray that our conquering king would be seen for who he is and people would repent and turn to him. We need to pray for our church this year. What are we going to do as a church? How are we going to serve our king and intentionally make disciples of all nations? We want to have intentional, strategic steps to follow our Lord in his great command. So what are we going to do? Would you pray for... A vision that has feet this year. Would you pray for your own personal growth? That you would grow deeper roots in your faith and broader fruits for the Lord Jesus. Would you pray for the lost by name today? Those are four ways I'd encourage you to pray, but whatever else is on your heart. I want us to respond in obedience to this message. I told you at the outset, my goal is to call you to pray. So I want to give you a moment just to do that. Would you find a place somewhere in the room? Maybe it's right where you are. Maybe it's down here or here. Would you find a place where you can find solitude with Jesus and just pray?